0: Hello and welcome to The Moving Curve, I am Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Every night on this mini-cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight, I am asking this one. What will the lockdown's disruption in health services mean for the health of Indians now It's day 131 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 2,66,598 cases with 7,466 deaths. Dr. S.P. Kalantri is a legend in the field. He is the medical superintendent at Kasturba Hospital and professor of medicine at the Mahatma Gandhi Institute of Medical Sciences in Varidha for over 30 years. Vardha is in Eastern Maharashtra's deprived and rural region of Vidarbha. The depth and breadth of Dr. Kalantri's experience is truly incredible. He is extremely knowledgeable not just about disease and illness based on his daily work, but also about medical research, about ethics and about public policy. He was kind enough to speak to me for a two-part interview. Tonight, I am talking to him about the impact that the lockdown had on broader public health and what this will mean for patients and doctors in the days ahead. Tomorrow night, I speak to him about managing COVID-19 in rural India. Dr. Kalantri has seen firsthand the huge drop in access to healthcare that I found in the data and he says that this came out of a combination of government restrictions on the procedures hospitals could carry out lockdown-related restrictions on movement, and the fear and uncertainty in the minds of the community.
1: The problem was that, to begin with, uh, it was difficult to distinguish COVID from non-COVID illnesses also. I see. The communities in in general
0: uh,
1: had reservations about entering the hospital, about accessing the healthcare services, Mm. and many healthcare services were stopped. For example, there was... Uh, directive from the government of Maharashtra that all routine operations should either be cancelled or postponed. So that patients who were waiting for say even cancer surgery or routine surgeries etc. So they they either had to be sent home or they had to be counselled that they they need to come uh, at a a later date. And uh, the same things happened in our uh, cardiology where uh, The entire cath lab was was stopped and uh, the people who needed angiography and angioplasty, again, these procedures, which are so important, were postponed. Uh, Individuals, people, they think a lot about their own illness, they have their own perceptions about health and diseases and often they make difficult choices during these chaotic times Mm. and we found that uh, the pregnant women in general, and particularly the women who were in third trimester and who were about to deliver, mm. faced tons and tons of practical problems there. The, mm. the same happened with immunization schedules. At least in the month of March and in the first week of April, these immunizations also suffered a lot mm. there. The third problem that we faced was people with cancer there, mm. and uh, because the surgeons had start, stopped. Uh, operating these patients. So many of these patients who were potentially operable now, now became became very fearful that their cancer stage might downstage itself. They -hmm. might not be offered a surgery when their tumors are still operable, or they might be offered quote-unquote inferior treatments like radiation or chemotherapy, which Mm -hmm. they uh, should not have been given Uh, uh, had uh, the COVID-19 outbreak had not hit the country. Across the entire spectrum of human illnesses, whether they are heart attacks, whether they are strokes, uh, whether they are fractures, deliveries, immunizations, cancers, and even TB, for example. Our TB diagnostic uh, uh, fell down significantly in the month of uh, March and April. I spoke to a large number of my friends across the country, and... We found that uh, all over countrywide the OPD attendance had fallen to almost 20 or 25 percent
0: mm-hmm.
1: and similarly the hospital beds were deserted so most of the hospitals were operating at the 20 or 30 percent uh, occupancy uh, there, there. Right. So for almost six for almost six weeks or so uh, this happened almost uh, all, all over the country.
0: As Jishnu Das pointed out in episode sixty nine, as lockdown restrictions ease, there is going to be a surge of people seeking access to delayed healthcare, and hospitals do not appear to be prepared for this. Doctor Kalantri agreed, but he also pointed out a worrying dimension: doctors will now have to deal with people whose illnesses have degenerated significantly in the last two months.
1: Absolutely, because say for example, let me give you two three examples. Mm-hmm. Now, people who had heart attacks and who were awaiting their angiography and angioplasty or a bypass surgery, isn't it? They were just managing with their med- medical treatment.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: suddenly, we we, see, we we would see in our cardiology a large number of patients suddenly presenting them to the card- cath lab. And unfortunately, their conditions now would be much more serious compared mm-hmm. to what uh, uh, they were, say, uh, two months back, because it's quite possible that their heart disease might have uh, uh, degenerated, their disease might have worsened, their, they might have developed heart failure. So now the doctors will have to now deal with patients whose diseases are now far more worse than that uh, they were about two months back. And mm-hmm. suddenly we will have a large number of such patients who will be presenting there. The same would happen with, say, uh, cancer uh, patients. So the radiation departments and the mm-hmm. chemotherapy departments uh, might suddenly see a large number of patients and they might not be able to cope with these patients.
0: Right.
1: Similarly, we see diabetics, for example, for, because mm. for the last two months, the people were not even getting their blood sugar done because they had practical problems going to the hospital.
0: Right. They
1: couldn't refill their prescriptions. And suddenly, we have now started seeing patients whose blood sugars are in the range of 400 and 500 milligrams. Mm. And they are developing now complications because of these uh, uh, bad glucose levels uh, right. there.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So there are huge problems. So people who were on dialysis maintenance, it is another huge unspoken problem in our country. I see. Now, chronic kidney disease is a huge public health problem.
0: Right.
1: And people are dependent on maintenance hemodialysis done twice or thrice a week right. to survive. And many of these patients with chronic kidney disease who badly needed this triweekly hemodialysis, they just couldn't access the hospital care. So the creatine levels jumped from 3-4, manageable, to almost 10-plus, isn't it? They became bloated all over, they became breathless, their hemoglobin levels dropped down, their blood pressures went up, and, and so on. So now to take care of such patients whose disease is now far more advanced, and a lot of people competing for those limited dialysis machine resources in public as well as private hospital is again going to be a, a, big, a big big problem.
0: On top of it, says Dr. Kalanthri, the fear in the minds of doctors about operating on a patient who may later turn out to be COVID positive is real. And he doesn't mean fear for their own health. He means worries about the patient's health.
1: Add to that, in the mind of surgeons and anesthesiologists, there is I won't use the word irrational, but a fear that given that uh, COVID virus is still there in the country, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And there is no way to distinguish COVID from non-COVID asym- asymptomatic person mm-hmm. uh, unless we test test them. So there is a fear that if they are operating on an individual, say who is COVID positive uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there, the recent Lancet study has shown that. Individuals who are COVID positive and undergo a major surgery, particularly mm-hmm. cancer surgery, they have got a 30% mortality rate over a month. So wow. these are big numbers, these are big numbers. I mean your one in three chance that you might drop dead within a month because you have because your age is more than 70 and you have undergone a major cancer surgery there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. The problem is that the RTPCR test, which is a diagnostic test for COVID, isn't it? Uh, The labs are few and the ICMR guidelines are very, very restrictive. So with the result that the surgeons and anesthetists were not able to order this test either. Mm. either. So so the problem there was that unless I test a person, how do I know that this person is COVID-positive or COVID-negative? And God forbid, if the person is COVID-positive and if I operate, I have got a fair chance. I have got a huge chance that this person might I might lose this person, or this per- person might end up in an ICU requiring uh, respiratory support and ventilators.
0: Right.
1: And this Lancet study very clearly showed that if you operate on such individuals and they need a mechanical ventilation in an ICU after an operation, yeah, then their risk is almost as similar to the sickest COVID. 19 patient in a surviving with a multi organ failure in a hospital. Now the surgeons were simply not willing to take these risks. And when they tried to explain this risk to the uh, patients as well, they were Mm -hmm. absolutely petrified uh, there. So the problem is that the hospitals uh, across the disciplines are facing newer and newer challenges. Many of these challenges do not have realistic solutions. uh, All as well. And this amount of unpredictability and uncertainty is probably driving and dictating our diagnostics, our interventions, the our decisions that we take, the choices that we make for the patients, and, and, and so on.
0: In this climate, how do you prepare for and manage COVID-19? That's on tomorrow night's episode. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurti. Tomorrow, a new question.